Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And we're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. And we're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, which is just across the street from Winkies. And everybody in that area knows where good old Winkies is. We also have the ability to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Today is... is um, a topic that I find very near and dear to my heart. And so I've been in the business almost 40 years with doing financial services. And so when I add that to, to where I am and I see how long my clients have been with me, we're all aging in together. <laughs> and so yeah. what I'm finding is that some of the issues that were sort of out there and I understood and I could help my clients with, I'm actually living it. And I have clients that are in those situations because we're all the same age. And as I'm talking to my clients, every single one is absolutely different. Every dynamic in a family, every issue that my clients are facing, some of them are dealing with things of dementia. Some of them have had issues where they they really can't function as well as they need to. And they need to go into some type of a care situation and so often I've said about the financial industry that it's like trying to take a drink out of a fire hose to figure out where you are. Well, this to me is exactly the same thing. Trying to figure out where you're at, who you should call, um, the financial piece of it, the emotional piece of it is, is, some, is somewhat confusing. And so I am very fortunate to be able to introduce Lisa Snyder, who is the Executive Dress Director of Respite Care Association of Wisconsin. She's also the co-chair of Wisconsin Family and Caregiver Support Alliance. And Bring Seaman is here. She's a caregiver specialist of the Greater Wisconsin Area Aging Resources and co-chair um, of the Wisconsin Family. Family Caregiver Support Alliance. And so I'm welcoming both of you to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. And, you know, I know that this is, this is such a, a, a huge subject. And when people normally are dealing with it, it's kind of almost always in a crisis mode. Nobody seems to sit down and say, and what if this happens? Where should I go? Who should I contact? What should I do? It seems like it's always crisis driven. And what a hard thing to do when you're emotionally attached to a situation and it's someone that you love very much. And now you have to make some really huge decisions and you don't know where to go. And then I'm going to throw on top of that, people were frightened with COVID and some of the situations that were going on where they couldn't visit parents, they couldn't contact them, they couldn't see them. And I'm wondering what both of you have seen out there um, pre-COVID and post-COVID. And what are some of the what are some of the things that you can share with my listeners that will maybe give them some peace of mind that things have changed and that that there are some wonderful facilities and opportunities out there for their loved ones. And I'll let either one of you jump in, either Lisa or Bryn. 
Well, I can um, get started. And Lisa and I work so well together. I'm positive she'll have more to add. Um, what I can say is that when you've met one family caregiver, you've met one family caregiver. Each of their scenarios, their circumstances, how they became a family caregiver are all very different. Um, and as you said, uh, the financial strain, the emotional strain, um, are, are there for everybody. I think AARP in 2021 reported that family caregivers spend more than $7,200 annually in just out-of-pocket care. And if you're expecting that and planning for it, certainly um, that's uh, more digestible and something that's in your budget. However, as you said, if it's something unexpected, if it's a crisis, if this is a new diagnosis, an accident, an illness, that certainly takes people by surprise. And, and my role as the family caregiver specialist with GWAR, the Greater Wisconsin Agency on Aging Resources, is I help promote some of these local grants that are there for family caregivers with the goal of helping people remain in their own home and as independent as possible. So many of that service and support can be done through creative um, means uh, that could be home modifications, getting durable medical supplies. It could be stipend payments to the family caregivers just to help sustain or maybe offset some of the financial burden that's come with taking step back, a step back from work or maybe reducing hours at work. And if as long as you're on that, um, I'm just going to jump in and some of the statistics that I've seen in working with my clients is that it's not only just the person that you're dealing with, but the caregivers get so burned out and, and, and they don't often know they, I want to say there's so much guilt associated with it that they, they don't want to say I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what to do. Well, and that's, uh, you know, people, Self-awareness, even uh, recognizing themselves as a caregiver themselves is part of the biggest hurdle that there is. And we always talk about this Rosalind Carter quote that we have, and it's, it's never more true than it is now. And there's only four kinds of people in the world, people who have, have, been, have been caregivers, people who are currently caregivers, people who will be caregivers themselves, or people who will need a caregiver. So caregiving is going to affect almost everybody's life in some way, shape, or fashion. Um, and right now, I mean, for those that are, uh, one in five adults are caregivers. Um, one in six working Americans are family caregivers. So from an employment standpoint, um, trying to juggle uh, work and care issues is really difficult, which your audience really has an impact on them financially with whether they're draining their retirement savings, um, or their investments, a lot of times they will drain everything before they will ask for help. And the whole idea is to get, you know, when they say swim down the river and get to the source of things, one, recognizing that they're a family caregiver, two, taking care of themselves as a family caregiver, because more often than not, what we have happened is they burn themselves out so much to the point that they're unable to care for their loved one. And so their whole you know, heart and soul that's gone into this has now been taken away because of their own health. And then, you know, decisions are even more difficult after that. So just putting that awareness that one, odds are I'm going to be touched by caregiving too. It's going to impact my life in multiple ways. And trying to be prepared for that. 
You know, Lisa, it's so it's so crazy. Um, I've been doing this and talking to my clients about care and um, how to assist parents and things like that. And um, my father got pancreatic cancer. Now it's been quite a long time ago. And I found that my family, I've got a brother and two sisters and myself, we were like that story about the frog that's in a pot of water and they turn it up and it gets hotter and hotter and you don't know that you're being cooked. Well, that was us. We did not know that we were being caregivers. I mean, we were just helping out my dad and my mom. And all of a sudden we found out that we were so deep in it. We didn't even know because we were so reactive to all the things that were happening with my dad. And we did things that, you know, like, getting him out of bed and taking him to a shower where we had someone finally come in and they put him on a plastic sheet and pulled him over and got him up. And here we were struggling. There were simple solutions, but yeah. we were so deeply embedded that we didn't even know that we were falling into this whole caregiver um, mode. And I think that happens to a lot of people. And just what you said, I was sleeping on the couch all night because my sisters were free during the day and I would stay with my dad and my mom at night and I'd get up and go to work and I was exhausted. So, you know, there's all there's, I've got right now a family where it's a husband and wife and they've been doing a dance for so long together that the kids didn't even know to the point that the parents needed help. And then for me, my dad got so sick, we needed it right away. Every situation is unique and different. And sometimes you can't even recognize it. No. And that's the if one good thing came out of COVID. It is that it shed the light on caregivers and people became self-aware that their caregivers due to the nature of having to either work from home and make the decision of you leave your loved one in a nursing home or assisted living facility because everybody was told they're staying quarantined so you either can't see them or you gotta take care of them. And so there's just a lot of lights that went on for people that recognize that they themselves are family caregivers to some level or degree, whether it's their kids, their spouses or with their parents. It's very, it's scary in, in many situations. I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I would really like to address some of the issues that people face during the COVID situation that are no longer the types of things that they have to deal with. With that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And I have to say, I've been on this show almost 35 years, so you must know I love it. And what I love about it most is that we can bring really good information to our community, to our, our clients and our listeners about things that are really important. And one of the things that is so important is our health and our loved ones and worrying about what to do when we don't know what to do when something is happening within our family unit, our family tribe. I have two guests today. I have Lisa Schneider. She is the executive director of Respite Care Association of Wisconsin and co-chair of the Wisconsin Family Caregiver Support and Bren Seaman, who is family caregiver specialist is all also and is also co-chair. And earlier we were talking about 
you know, even my own life, how here, you know, it's like the cobbler's, you know, doesn't have any shoes. Well, I was just shocked to find out how deeply embedded we got into caregiving and really weren't providing the best services to our dad because we just didn't know. And we were doing what we thought was best because it was so love filled, but it wasn't logically filled with making some of the right decisions. And so I would like to just get back to today, both Lisa and Bryn, what what do you see transpired and changed from the fear that people experienced around their parents and their loved ones being in a facility? And then also there were a lot of people that during this COVID time had issues and they didn't know where to go either. And everything was kind of locked down. It was a very, very scary time. Oh. Go ahead, Bren. There are a couple of good things that came out of the pandemic. The first thing Lisa offered, which is that caregivers began to recognize themselves as such. And I think that is incredibly empowering because once you have, whether it's a label or a title, whether you carry that with pride or you're not quite sure if you like to be called a caregiver, there's still a sense of knowing um, who you are then and what your role. This is different than just being a spouse or a, a sibling or a child. You now have added responsibilities. And what comes from that is the ability to reach out. And there are programs that are geared for family caregivers. Some of them are grant programs within our local um, governments and aging units. And some of them are caregiver support groups um, that are available online or different types of caregiving apps that are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'd say that's the other benefit that came out of a pandemic for us is we have globally been able to connect um, to one another. If there was once ever fear of being recognized, attending maybe a cancer or dementia caregiver support group and not wanting your community to, to hear all of the details of your nitty gritty world, well, now you can join a Zoom or a teleconference and be able to participate with family caregivers in those situations states away or even nations away. Um, so there are certainly two benefits that came out of that. And empowering caregivers also allows them to ask for help. Um, so if you're not talking with your employer at work, um, we know that many are full and part-time employed family caregivers. This is that opportunity to have that conversation and ask for the help that you need, whether that's um, taking FMLA or flex scheduling or trying to figure out maybe how you can maintain your job responsibilities while at the same time maintaining your caregiver responsibilities. Um, that also allows you to be able to create a list of what you need help with. So in your case, when you were talking about caring for your father, it sounds like you came up with a wonderful schedule where you guys were alternating who's doing care during the day and the night. Um, and I hope that many people are able to come up with that ahead of time. You know, what do we do in case of kind of thing? Planning out. Um, those also are instances that will help reduce risk of financial exploitation or even caregiver burnout or people getting physically hurt. If you understand um, not only where you can go and ask for help, have a list of those things you need help with so you're able to arm yourself and ask for help when needed, but doing the financial and, and even um, legal decision making ahead of time is, is certainly helpful to stave off some of those um, sad situations, again, where people might get hurt physically, financially, or otherwise. I know, Lisa, that there is fear out there 
in terms of the actual facilities that people have resources to. What has changed within those communities? So people don't think that they have to keep their family at home if it's better that they're in another facility. And I always worry about isolation with people mm -hmm. and being by themselves. I've had a client recently whose spouse died and she fell in her house and there was just no one there to help her. And it came out in the end after we talked and she said, well, you know, Joe always was there when I got up at night. I never worried about it. And then she was trying not to drink anything so she didn't have to get up during the night. I mean, you know, the, and, and so how, how can people feel comfortable knowing that their parent may have to go into uh, a facility, a uh, to help them with any of their medical issues? Well, there's, I'm probably going to be the bearer of reality here because what <laughs> happened as a result of COVID and having an adult daughter myself who still lives at home and she lives at home because there are such a lack of um, uh, caregiving workforce workers that are out there that many nursing homes have closed. Um, assisted living facilities have closed down or they're, tremendous wait lists to get your loved one in there. Um, where I'm on probably three or four different wait lists for my daughter just for services even to come into the home. So the whole idea of planning and being prepared. So there's a number of tools that are out there like future planning. Bryn talked about a lot of the things with this future planning. There's a lot of free tools like um, Arc Wisconsin has something that you just go on, it's free. But it really walks you through a lot of things that you might not even, you don't know what you don't know. So it makes you start thinking about, oh, you, know, you do your financial planning, but long-term care planning and, you know, what's, what's, what's probably going to be inevitable, people don't usually plan for. Like you said, it's usually a reactionary type thing. And that can have more negative consequences than if you're planning ahead for it. So, um, you know, COVID uh, really took a toll on the workers out there from both being fearful of um, being infected themselves because of being in the work environment. Um, families had to make difficult decisions about whether they wanted to leave their loved one in an assisted living facility or a nursing home because they were quarantined. So you weren't allowed to come in and you weren't allowed to come out. Um, so for persons that maybe had high medical needs or break or whatever, um, your average person can't take care of that. So people were faced with very difficult decisions. Um, but again, I think everybody should stop and take a look in inventory and, and just realize that they're going to be touched with caregiving themselves, whether it's somebody caring for them or them caring for somebody else. And the plan, the contingency plan by just walking through these exercises like ARC Wisconsin has. That's really... That's a really good, that's a really good suggestion because that idea that we're all going to be in it at some point, being able to prepare for it. And I just was talking to a, a, a friend of mine whose mother fell and broke her hip. And all of a sudden, because mom was out of the house, they now realized that dad needed help, which, mm -hmm. you know, they, and, and now, now at this time, she was not only faced with her mother being in hospital and having to have surgery and therapy, but also she could see the lack and the, the care that her dad needed. And so it was like double whammy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that happens with most family caregivers if they aren't taking care of their, themselves. That tends to be the trend where they end up getting hurt themselves, taking a spill, having negative health outcomes 
Um, and then the person whom they were caring for is left not only without that caregiver, but now there's two individuals that really need that assistance. Um, and so that's why really supporting family caregivers um, is, is the mission of our work and, and our alliance. Can you go into exactly what you do and how people can access you and the I mean of course the value there's so much value for information I think the basis of everything in making good decisions is education driven the average cost for a Wisconsin nursing home stay is anywhere from 8000 upwards of $9,000 a month. You can Google that and based on where you live and semi-private or private room. So unless you, know, you're, you have the money for that for numerous years, the idea of planning and what's available for you um, is all the more important. It's looking at maybe how to avoid that, um, you know, until you have to. Um, and some of that is looking at the lower cost options, how to stay in your home and what you can plan for and look for. It's everything from knowing the financial resources at a local community level, typically through your Aging and Disability Resource Center or ADRC. They might also be called aging units. Um, but there's several different options. There's things called um, benefits checkups where you can see if you're available for different types of food banks or food share programs. Are you um, in the best Medicaid, um, I'm sorry, Medicare plan? And if you're eligible, are you receiving different types of funding for um, older seniors um, who can't otherwise afford their medication? Um, are you connected with loan closets or volunteer driver programs? And are you aware of family caregiver grant programs? Um, so all of these things exist within communities in the entire state of Wisconsin. And it's just about knowing where to go um, to find those. And you can do that simply by Googling Aging and Disability Resource Center or ADRC. Um, so that's a great place to start just to know what's available in your community. Um, and it's also worthwhile to look at your own insurance. Um, if you're still working, what does your employer cover? Um, sometimes counseling and therapy, support groups, home modifications, all those things um, are potentially able to be covered through those costs. If you're a veteran, um, that's uh, sometimes an underutilized support that you want to make sure you're fully vested in. So there's just a lot to consider. Um, as I said, each if you've met one family caregiver, you've met one <laughs> family caregiver. Each situation is different. And just having some plan um, for that, I think, is very helpful. And again, that's my, my role as the family caregiver specialist is to support the counties and the local aging units in their efforts of connecting people with those services and those grant dollars. Do you actually talk to individual people or how do you interact, interact with individuals within the community? In my role, I tend to be the technical support for the local county governments or aging units, kind of doing behind the scenes stuff, a lot of questions about allowable um, services within the grant. However, um, more and more, um, and I think a lot of that might just be leveraging technology, I have the opportunity to attend conferences or do presentations, um, attend caregiver conferences, and that's where I talk about your local aging and disability resource center, about these grant programs, and how well we work and weave and blend with um, the Respite Care Association and the, resp and the services that they offer, um, that that prevents caregiver burnout. 
Um, so I do get to talk to them and I hand them lots of brochures, but I'm not the person that actually enrolls them in the program. Well, you know, it's a really difficult situation. If you've ever gotten on the phone and you're calling somewhere, the airlines, and they give you this number to call and this person to talk to, and then you get, you never get to that person. Then they tell you to go to a webpage and it becomes very frustrating, particularly for someone who is maybe aged, aged a little bit older and maybe not familiar with computers or can't operate their phone quite quick enough to enter all the information. How do you, what do you put in place to help people so that they feel safe in making that phone call and they feel that they're getting trusted information in a way that they can actually receive it? Big question. <laughs> on the ADRC side, you're going to be the expert on that. So um... I was just going to offer that we happen to review our statistics from 2021 to 2022, and we have um, pre and post evals within our caregiver grants program, as well as a voluntary customer satisfaction survey. And more than 95, I'm sorry, it was more than 97% in both of those years um, expressed that it was beneficial and that they would refer a family or friend. So it's not to give anybody a runaround. I wish I could be the person to enroll them. <laughs> um, however, the EDRCs are incredibly skilled. Um, they go through a number of online trainings. They do a lot of in-house training. That's part of also what I do is offer additional training for them um, so that they have high customer service. Um, many times it might be an initial telephonic um, interaction, but they do also offer in-home or office visits. So it's not just over the phone. So let's take a quick break right now. And I would like it when we come back, if you can, you said it, ERDs, ERCs? ERDs. When you come back, could you define exactly for our listeners what that is? And what you said that they, they do take and talk to people, how does that work? So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you'd like to put a face with this voice, you can go to ellenbecker.com. Also, if you do have friends, family, that today's show would really be relevant for them and helpful, you could go to ellenbecker.com and go to the radio show Money Sense. And this will all be online and you can just forward it to anyone that you know you can really feel that you can help out by listening to this conversation. My guest today is Bryn Seaman, and she's a family caregiver specialist. And also Lisa Schneider, let's just define a little bit exactly how people can access some of those um, informational tools that you gave them. And what does that look like? Do they talk to a person? Is it all online? How, how what does that look like for someone? Well, I think, oh, go ahead, Lisa, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead, Bryn. The easiest way for anybody to find their local aging and disability resource center is going to the wisconsincaregiver.org website. Wisconsincaregiver.org is going to be where you're finding out information about family caregiver support programs. There's a tab about how to find help in your area, and then you can either type in your zip code or you can scroll over an interactive map 
in the county that you live in. And let's just say I'm, I'm pulling up um, out of gaming just by happenstance. That gives you the phone number, the address, that gives you their website. It also gives you an idea of what they provide. Everything from um, helping prepare for caregiving, respite care, financial information, homemaker services, mental health assistance, caregiver coalition. So it gives you an entire list of what they would be able to offer. You know, so often we ask our clients to sit down and to really think about all of the issues that are associated when someone even just passes away. And there's so many more things that people don't think about in that issue. And I'm guessing it's exactly the same way here. So having a list of things that people can kind of check off and doing it in a way, I often the whole idea of the computer is a little bit um, frightening for people, but this gives them the opportunity to do it over their own time frame. And they don't have to make fast decisions. They can read things. They can let it settle in and go back and kind of, it's like almost like a library for uh, people who are going to have to face some of these issues and be caregivers. I know that this is going to be on some other um, outlets so that uh, everything, everybody throughout the state has a version of an ADRC. So um, that's what we call them here in Wisconsin. Some other states call them that. Some other states call them something different. However, I would go to their state.gov website to at least initiate that search to find the equivalent of that. But what's, what's nice now, especially here in Wisconsin, and it's happening all over, is that ADRCs and counties, for us, counties are usually, when you're looking for kids or children type resources under 18, and ADRCs are usually for resources for people being cared for that are 18 and older, um, that they have family uh, caregiver navigators or family navigators. So a lot of the times they'll walk you through, they'll just ask you to describe your situation and then they can pick up on some of the needs that you have because sometimes you just don't know what it is that you need. So they'll just listen to your story. So it's not like you're having to say, hey, I need this and it just stops there. Many times now they are starting to better probe, better listen and to get a feel for what the needs of that person um, uh, and their loved one are because, um, again, you just don't know what you don't know. So they will help walk you through that process. I think what's also really nice is even with our programs with BRINS and Respite Care Association of Wisconsin is that if an ADRC knows that they cannot help somebody, let's say because uh, they financially don't qualify, um, they send them to us. So we've like educated all of our ADRCs in Wisconsin. So they say, can't help you, but you can call Respite Care Association of Wisconsin, or you can call GWAR, or an area aging agency, to access some other funds that might help them, depending on you know the different needs um, when it comes to uh, supports for the family caregiver, at least. But they will really connect people to where they need to go, and hopefully, it is not a pass the phone type situation to pass the phone to pass the phone. They should be walking you through the steps and connecting you to exactly where you need to be. So it feels, it feels trusted and it feels safe to be able to talk to someone about some of the most sensitive issues. And I know what you're saying, Lisa, that sometimes people don't even know what questions to ask. And so being able to read in between the lines and being able to be curious and draw out some of that information is really a valuable tool. Well, and it's also many times people focus on the care who they're caring for, the care E. So they'll call and say, oh, my loved one has dementia and I really need some 
help with this. The family navigators are now starting to ask, well, are you getting the supports that you need? How are you handling all of the stuff that's coming you know, your way right now? So they do open that door for people to start thinking about, okay, I am a family caregiver now. I, I am struggling doing all that I need to do. So um, they do help open that door as well. Let's talk just a little bit about the whole financial side of it. And during the break, um, Lisa and Bryn, we talked about the importance of encouraging people to really have their estate planning documents in place, their powers of attorney for health care, powers of attorney for finances, of course. And some of the things that really are, diff- they're simple to put in place, but they're difficult to put into place in crisis. Definitely. And I think there's a misnomer or misunderstanding out there, and I'm one of them, and I've lived this world of disability since my daughter was born, but long-term care supports just does not automatically manifest. If you, let's say, don't have long-term care insurance, which a lot of people don't, then you're stuck in and you don't qualify for a government program, whether it's a long-term care waiver program, which usually provides long-term care supports, um, where there's some eligibility criteria, you don't have that comes out of your pocket. So you want to do the best that you can with your future planning about talking to maybe an attorney or a financial planner about do you put your home into a trust or do you, what do you do to protect some assets so that you can continue to live while your loved one is being cared for in a, in a setting that's better suited to them. So there's a lot that needs to be um, explored in order to protect your assets and best serve your loved one and best serve that you have a livelihood as well. It sounds like, and it is true, that you really need to create a team uh, around you that can help you um, get through a lot of these different issues, which would be an attorney, which would be your financial advisor, so that you can understand what assets would be available, what assets would be attached to it. You need to have someone help you with the caregiving process, the idea of what's available in your community. So it's just like I own a business and I have a team of my people around me that help me run my business the most efficient way that I possibly can. And I would like to encourage people to think about this whole situation as the same type of needs, having a team around them that is going to help them make the best possible decisions, because many of these decisions that are made cannot be undone. Right. right. Once they're done. Exactly. Or they're not done soon enough. As you know, if you create a, you know, a revocable or irrevocable trust, if it's done within don't know if it's two, three, four years prior to your loved yes. one needing uh, supports. It's it's was too soon for that to take effect. So you really do have to look forward and build that team. You're right, and that's one thing that again, I'm, uh, uh, advocating for the uh, the Arc Wisconsin's uh, future planning. It will walk you through some of those steps to identify people to help you. Um, just thinking in your own circles, and if you don't have somebody's name to place somewhere. That's maybe one you either need to ask some of your friends. Do you know of somebody who does this? Or do you know of somebody who does that and get some recommendations so they can complete their plan? I know that one of the things a very good friend of mine is going through this and they can afford to do some of this care, pay for the care, but they can't get people to do the care. And 
her mother needs 24 hour someone around her 24 hours and most of the places that she reaches out to are for 12 hour shifts and so there's this constant change of people which makes it even more difficult on her mom and disorients her more quickly so it's being able to get this in a way that it's good for you it's good for your your loved one and that you're not making decisions that are so stressful that you have to um put a fire out all the time. I guess that's what I would want to say. It seems like a lot of people are always putting fires out because something all of a sudden happens that is expected, but unexpected, a fall or, you know, a dehydration or the flu or something. And people just aren't prepared. No, no, it's, it's very tough. Um, But again, there are resources out there too. So and that, I think that's one of the great things that um, both of our programs offer between GWAR and then Respite Care Association of Wisconsin. So for those who are maybe looking for supports um, but don't qualify again because they don't have the disability determination or they uh, don't financially qualify because they're over the threshold for whatever reason it is, we've got programs in place that can help those those folks. And so it helps pay for the, the resources. Um, whether it's, I'm getting some feedback on myself, so hopefully I'm coming through clear. <laughs> um, but you know, we offer uh, monies to pay for somebody uh, to even go into a nursing home for a respite for a week or 10 days. It might be $5,000 worth, but if that family caregiver needs respite, we will pay that amount and we will pay directly to the, the nursing home. We'll also pay for people to come into their home of their own choosing. They can hire their own relative or family member, pay them so they can have a getaway and some people use our program because you want to go literally somebody had it needed a liver transplant and they could not not care for their loved one and so they had no financial means to care for that person they used our program to hire somebody so they could go in for a life-saving uh, surgery so for themselves what Bryn said no one caregiving situation is alike <laughs> We're going to take our last, we're going to take our last break. And this is such an interesting and um, such a great advantage for people who, if you just stop and pause for a minute, and if you have parents, or if you are a husband or a wife, or I took care of my uncle, if you are in that situation, to just kind of think through like, what would happen if something happened tomorrow? And start building that team, or at least start building the information. So when something happens, you're not trying to figure everything out, take care of that person, work with the hospitals, try to get an attorney. I mean, at that point, it's it's so difficult. But if you can do it in advance and just have some sort of a strategy in place, it will make everything so much better. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I have two guests today, Lisa Schneider, the executive director of Respite Care Association of Wisconsin, and also Bryn Seaman, and she's a family caregiver specialist. And I think one of the things that I just want to say right off the bat that this program and these programs that you have are so wonderful because it acknowledges the vulnerability that caregivers have. And I think sometimes caregivers feel very lonely as if 
people don't really understand the challenges, the difficulties, the compassion, the passion, the anger, the frustration, all of those things that happen. And by having a program like this, it really makes a statement that we care about you and we identify that this is a very hard situation and you're not alone in it. So true. So true. And I think that um, so many of us in this field get to walk the talk. So we live and breathe it personally, even though we're involved with it professionally. So it's, um, we can understand uh, some things and communicate things from a perspective that we're familiar with that may not be exactly the same as somebody else, but you, you kind of know what areas to hone in on. And I think during the break, I'd love for Brenda to talk about what she was talking about, about using your voice and speaking up because some things just don't happen automatically. You got to speak up and talk to your elected officials or whomever. And um, I'll let Bryn take it away because she Well, and sometimes people stuff. feel, when I've talked to them, they feel it comes out as if they feel shame that they can't do the things that they want to do. And that that in itself is so destructive to the person and to the person's feelings and sense of self because they feel so helpless. Yeah. Well, and you know, the great adage to that too is, you know, when you're on the airplane and I know this is overused, but it's so apropos about when you're on an airplane and the oxygen mask come down, you're supposed to put it on yourself first before the, the person that's with you and, and not be guilty about that. I mean, it's, you think your innate reaction is to go to your loved one, <laughs> but if you're not there, you know, you've got to take care of yourself first and not be guilty about it because you still want to be not just somebody's caregiver, you want to be their wife or you want to be somebody's daughter and you still want to have that role as opposed to having it diminished and having to do so much else. So it is, it is okay to ask for help. <laughs> well, I, I think there's kind of two roles in my mind of, of being just a person, let alone a family caregiver. You have this making a plan and having legal and financial matters, getting your power of attorney documentation, your living wills, your birth certificates, your marriage certificates, having that team that you talked about, um, the financial advisor. But then you also have this other piece. And I've been in this um, world of long-term care for a little over 20 years. And I heard of um, terms like silver tsunami, which I'm not a fan of, but I've also heard of this um, caregiver bubble where we're gonna, not gonna have enough people to take care of the people who need it. And I think I've heard estimates from ACL that one in five caregiver, I'm sorry, one in five um, US citizens will be over the age of 65 in the year 2030. So there's 10,000 there's 10,000 people a day retiring in the next 10 to 20 years. See to me I mean those are numbers <laughs> that are are mind boggling. You you wonder how different our landscape is going to be and what our families are going to look like. And um, when I kind of put that in perspective, you touched on a piece of it when you said it's difficult for your friend to find care for um, her her loved one. Well, that absolutely is the case in, in nursing homes or in home care. So a large part that I'm learning in my role is that of advocacy. So if there's something that's touched you and you're passionate about, even at a local level, a county level, a state level, begin to use your voice, learn who your legislators are, learn about different opportunities to maybe expand family medical care. Who inc who's included in coverage potentially on family um, medical leave? 
um, discuss and talk about with your legislators or other important people the things that are meaningful to you. If you're a caregiver and a caregiver tax credit is something that's important, um, now is the time. In our, you know, we're, we're um, coming up on another election and we have so many new representatives within our state currently that the more we educate and the more we talk about our personal and lived experience and what's important to us and how we want to shape the next couple of decades is going to um, really shape what we have to offer people. So not just these grant programs and caregiver support programs and online learning tools and really helping people make a plan, but can we even make this better for the next generation and generations after that? So so that we aren't scrambling, so that when those crises happens, there's a better support stru structure and infrastructure in place for them. That is such a great um, entrance into, we only have a minute left. What do you wanna leave with my listeners to give them, to get them started today, to take that first step in planning? <clears throat> Well, they can reach out to either one of us, um, myself, Alisa Schneider um, at Respite Care Association of Wisconsin. Um, you can just Google that and you'll see our information and I'm sure with Bryn as well. Um, I also want to just remind uh, caregivers or persons in this to talk with their employers. Employers are starting to wake up about this because of COVID, about the needs of their workers who are also caregivers and many are um, offering supports that um, are not government related. Bren and Lisa, thank you so much. You've really given me a lot to think about and I know my listeners and hopefully to given them, a, you have given them a resource that they can move towards in the event that they can see now that one of them is gonna be a caregiver and to maybe start talking about it, open the conversation, plan for it. And I just thank you so much for coming onto the show. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Thank you.